So we are on, I think, our second to last week in the area of prayer. Um, we've been doing this since September. We were going to go right the way through to December. Um, and and we, we are here week week. 10, 11, um, whichever it is. And it's just, for me, I've, I've just so enjoyed sharing on prayer and I'm trusting that you have enjoyed it as well. And today we're looking at the subject of praying for the sick and the oppressed. And it's an area really that I, I guess there, there are some question marks in people's lives and people may question whether God still does. And I guess these, these two, are the two of the big questions that people have. Is it God's will to heal? and to set free? And if it is, does God still do it today? That's a really good question. I guess, you know, but I can answer it in one scripture. And I thought, right, let's just, let's just knock, knock it on the head right now, right at the beginning. And we're going to read our first scripture this morning, which is in the book of Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8. Does God still do these things? Jesus Christ. It doesn't say is, that is actually in italics in the Bible. If you read it in your Bible, you'll see that it's in italics, it's been added. So it actually reads, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what you see Jesus do in the Gospels is the same Jesus he is right now, and the same Jesus he'll be until the day he returns and takes us to be with him in glory. He, there is no shadow of turning. There is no change. What his yes and amens were in the, in the New Testament are still the yes and amens of us today. Uh, and I love this, that in one scripture, any doubt of whether God is still the healer, any doubt whether Jesus was the healer, you just look at this scripture, Jesus Christ, the same. Come on, let's say that together. Jesus Christ, the same, yesterday, today, and forever. That feels good. There's something that feels good about that on the inside. So when you start reading through the Gospels and, and you start seeing, you know, the, if, you, if you read the Gospel of, of, of Luke, um, Luke being a physician, um, he, he has more healings, I believe, in his Gospel than any of the others. I think it's because of his line of work and he just wanted to write down all the healings that Jesus was doing. But when you look in the book of, book of Luke or the Gospel of Luke, there's just so many healings that were taking place. And, and that's the same Jesus that we worship today. It's the same Jesus who, who did the miracles then, who does the miracles today. Um, I, I was going to bring, I had a bottle of oil at home. I threw it away yesterday because we've been in the cupboard for too long. Um, and I pulled it out of the bin this morning. I was going to bring it, not to anoint anyone with it, just to, just to show you, you know, the bottle of oil um, representing the anointing oil that um, we're encouraged to pray, pray for people with. So Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, the healing powers 2,000 years ago, we see Jesus walking around doing signs, wonders, and miracles. Who believes in signs, wonders, and miracles today? Yeah, most of the church. Not everyone. Okay. Hopefully by the end of it, I'll, I'll ask that question again and there'll be hands going up everywhere, double hands. But we believe, in a, as a church, we believe that the Word of God reveals that He is the same yesterday, today, and the, forever. That the same miracle work in power that was present in Jesus' day is still present with us here today. That means there is no need too great. There is no pain too deep. There is no issue too great that God cannot intervene in. 
there is no need too great. No issue too, too mountainous. No valley that we go into that's too dark that God cannot bring us through in the journey of our life. We need to believe that because there are times when we go through the valley of the shadow of death, but we fear no evil. There are times when we feel that there's a giant before us who wants to slay us, but we know that greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. Come on, there's something on the inside that's got to rise up and be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. There is no there is no physical need greater than the miraculous power of God. There is nothing that can go on in our physical body that is too bad that God cannot heal. There is, there is, there is no mental breakdown that God can't stand and step into and bring us safely through. There is nothing that is impossible to him, physically, mentally, or emotionally. There may be something way back in your past that emotionally has just caused you to be locked down in the journey of your life. Jesus Christ can heal you of that today. One of the things that Jane and I often pray, and, and, and I believe the team as well, is that there are supernatural breakout of God in the room. As I share, as I preach, you know, the, the word, the Bible says that signs, wonders will follow the preaching of the word. So as I'm preaching, receive your healing. Yeah. All right? Yeah. Re receive your, your healing of your mind, healing of your heart, the healing of your body, the healing of the past. Whatever you need, draw from God right now. God wants you to know it is his will to heal you. Does God use doctors? Absolutely. I thank the Lord for doctors. Um, Jane probably wouldn't be here. Our eldest wouldn't be here. And then none of the others would have been here if it wasn't for God, if it wasn't for doctors, if it wasn't for medical. But where is our reliance? Is our reliance first on the doctor or on the medicine cabinet or on the paracetamol or is it our first reliance on God? Come on, let's, let's be real in our journey right now. Do we reach for the paracetamol when we have a headache, or do we reach to God? I know where we meant to, but where do we? Come on, let's, let's be real in this journey. Where do we? Is our reliance on God, or is our reliance on man? Is our reliance on God's healing? His, his word is medicine to our bodies. How much medicine are you taking? <laughs> it's an interesting thought, isn't it? His word is medicine to our bodies. So how much medicine are you taking for your need? Anyway, let's move along from that one. Jesus said this in Matthew 6.10. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So as Christians, as believers, we pray, Lord, your kingdom come. Do we know what we're praying when we pray that? Do we know when we start speaking, your kingdom come and your will be done 
It's not when we get to heaven. Here on earth, as it is in heaven. So what, what, what is it we're praying when we pray that or when we speak those words? Your will be done in my life, in your church, in those that we're lifting up before you. We're saying this. What are things like in heaven? Let me give you an idea what things are like in heaven. There is no pain. No emotional pain. No physical pain. No past pain. And God's word says, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Not Come on, just hang on in there. When you get to heaven, it's all going to be good. When, I, when you get to heaven, there'll be no more crying. There won't be, but just wait, just hang on in there until you get there. No, he says you can experience that here on earth as it is in heaven. Times of heaven on the earth. Come on, I, I, with a crowd this size, how many people right now needing healing from a hurt of the past or needing a physical healing in our body right now? There is no pain. There is no sin in heaven. There is no loss in heaven. There's no worry or anxiety in heaven. Therefore, he says, you can experience that here on earth. Right here, right now, in the midst of turmoil, you can experience peace. In the middle of a battle, you can experience the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, guarding not only your heart, but also your mind. Peace like a river that flows from heaven into our life, that wherever the river goes, it brings healing and stability. What else is there in heaven that we should be? There's no loneliness. It's amazing how many people can be lonely in a crowd. In this room, you do not have to be lonely. You are not alone. And also in heaven, there is no sickness or disease. As it is in heaven, let it be here on the earth. It sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? It's like, does he really mean that? Jesus, does you really mean that? Is that really possible for us to experience life here on earth like you're saying it is in heaven? Well, either Jesus' Lord's prayer is correct or it's not. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It is God's perfect will that we are healed that we are set free and that we walk in the perfect plan of God for our life. Jesus lived to do the will of God. For this reason, the Son of Man has come. For this reason, it was for freedom that Christ has come to set us free. It was for that reason that Jesus came to reverse everything that through Adam we lost. What did we lose through Adam? We lost peace with God. We lost healing in this world. We lost provision. It was like the umbilical cord from heaven was severed when Adam sinned and there was a separation. The Bible clearly says that, that they separated themselves through sin. 
But what did Jesus do? He came to connect us back to the life source. Just think of it. You are connected to the life source. That's, that's what, that's what um, John 15 is all about, about the tree, the tree that, 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 that we've been grafted into. That if we are in him and he is in us, that life sap that is in the tree, the father, that life sap is in us, the branch. And that life that is in the tree comes through us, the vine and the branches. It's that connection for you and I in our life. And whatever is in the vine should be living in the branch. There is life in the, bra- in the vine. God is the vine. And he's the vine. There is nothing but life coming from him. Being connected to the vine means that we as the branch have the life of God flowing through us. The anointing of God flowing through us. It doesn't mean that you have to be a pastor at the front of the church or a leader in the church to be anointed. You have the anointing of God flowing through you because Christ is in you. That is amazing. It is so exciting that God can use us in this way. And it is the Father's will that, that we walk in healing, we walk in deliverance, we walk with full restoration of everything that Adam once lost, that that is restored back to us. And he came to destroy the works of the enemy. And he's given you and I the same power to walk in that. In Acts 10, verse 38, it says this, how God anointed Jesus. Do you know what? You can actually put your name in there as well. If you are a believer, if, you, if you've received Christ in you, then how God anointed Jeff of gospel with the Holy Spirit and with power. See, God has anointed me. I know I'm anointed because he lives in me. You know, with you, Rick, you're anointed. With all of us in this room, we, we are anointed by God. It's just so unbelievable that we struggle to begin to walk in it. But we are all anointed. We can put our name in there, but I'm not going to do that right now. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. You know, we, 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 we say things like God is with you or God is with me. What? just like he was with Jesus. The word Christ means the anointed one and his anointing. So I can do all things through Christ, the anointed one, and his anointing. I can do the very things that Jesus said that he did, we can do because of his anointing on us. We just, if, once the penny drops, we, we'll all run out of this place and we'll all be praying for people that we know that are sick and oppressed of the enemy. When we, when we get this, the colleague at work who says, oh, I've got such a headache today, you'll run over there and slap your hands on them and say, let me pray for you. When we get it, the reason why we, we don't is because we, we haven't got it. It is, we, be, we, want to be, we believe it here, but our head gets in the way. We know it's truth because the Word says it, but, but does that really mean me? Does that mean that I can do these things? There were times in Jesus' ministry where he healed an individual. 
and where he healed the whole town or the whole city that came out. There were moments when he would walk along and he would see an individual in the crowd and he would pray. And something incredible, the, the man at the pool of Bethesda. They were all there sick, but Jesus went up to the one man and he said, I know you've been here a long time. Take up your bed and walk. Just one. The rest of them, who knows why and what? I asked not down to me to try and understand. But then there were other moments the whole city came out and throughout the day and the night, Jesus is praying and they were all healed. Every one of them. I just I love that. I just love the fact that you know, what, was, what would Jesus been like at the end of that? I know sometimes when we have a prayer queue, a prayer line, and I'm, I'm praying for people, and I go home, and I'm, Whoa, I'm tired. That's not the whole town. The whole town didn't come out. It's just, just a few people in the room. Jesus wants us to walk and to pray and to live anointed, to live connected to him. There was a moment in Jesus' ministry and, and, and he was teaching and preaching in, in, a, uh, in someone's house and he was just sharing the, the kingdom of God and praying and, and just touching people's lives. You know, you can't, I, I don't know, if you've seen The Chosen, you, you, you get to know the, 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 the fun side of Jesus in the journey. Um, if, if you've got a good imagination, you can sort of picture those things. If you read the Bible, sometimes we can just read it as black and white. If you've got a good imagination, Jane's got a good imagination, it all sort of, sort of comes alive to her. Um, for me, I have to purposely think, what was that like? And you know, can you imagine a room, who knows how big it was, but everyone was packed in so tight. So just imagine we were all in this part of the house, just this little bit here. We're all packed in. And all of a sudden, you hear a commotion going on above you, and, and they're ripping the roof off. Now, you know, it took, us, it took us six months to get the roof repaired, um, but these guys are just ripping the roof off, and, and the owner of the house, you don't hear the owner of the house say a word. It's like, I, I would be saying, excuse me, get off my roof. But they're digging a hole big enough to let this man down. Four friends have just gone along, found their friend, they've picked him up, in, the, in, in this cloth, and they've brought him to Jesus. They can't get in through the door, so they go up on the roof, and they've pulled the roof apart, and they're letting him down. A commotion is breaking out, and, and Jesus is looking at the guy and looking at their faith, thinking, I've got to do something here. He's looking around the room, and he's seeing all these people dressed in their Pharisees and their scribes and, their, and all the issues that they bring with them. And then he looks at the man and he says, rise, take up your bed. Your sins are forgiven. A commotion has broken out. All of a sudden, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the wouldn't seize and the couldn't seize, start flipping out. Who do you think you are? And Jesus then says this in Mark 2 verse 9. Which is easier to say to the para, para, paralytic? Not the para... <laughs> I, I had to go and check on how to say before I <laughs> did this this morning. Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk? Which is easier to say? 
They wanted to stone him for saying, arise, take up your bed. And they wanted to stone him for saying, your sins are forgiven you. Whatever Jesus did, in the eyes of the religious, he was going to be in the wrong. Let's never stand on the side of the Pharisees when Jesus is doing something amongst us. Look at that person. Who do they think they are? Let's never be a Pharisee in the house. Let allow, let's allow God to do what God is doing and how God touches our heart. And let's not just be English, British or, or African. Let's be kingdom in all that we do. Great is the kingdom that we're a part of. And Jesus was saying, not only can I heal, but I can also forgive sin. That same Jesus is here present this morning. Not only can he heal, but he can forgive sin and cause you to begin a journey with him like you've never known before. The truth is that through the cross, Jesus paid for it all. You don't have to pay for your sin. You don't have to pay for your failures along the way. Jesus paid for it all. That's the beauty of the cross. It's the wonder of the great exchange of what took place in the book of Isaiah 600 or 800 years before Jesus even came. But this prophecy spoken of Jesus spoke so clearly of what he would come and do. And I just want to read some of the verses here in Isaiah 53 because Jesus purchased soundness of mind for those who have struggled with mental issues in the room. He has paid the price for soundness of mind, forgiveness of sins, and the healing of our bodies. It is a package deal. <laughs> Jesus didn't come and just, well, I can, do, I can only do two-thirds. We're a spirit, soul, and body, aren't we? Yeah. Our spirit needed to be forgiven and saved. Our soul is our mind. It needs healing. It needs a touch from God. It needs peace in our minds. But he also did the physical. He, it, we are a tripartite being, spirit, soul, and body. He paid the price for all three areas. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it have been awful that Jesus said, well, I'm going to come, I'm going to come and give my life and heal, heal your physical body, and I'm going to deal with your, your mind, but I'm sorry, I can't do anything about your spirit. It would have been awful. What was the point, Lord? He could have come and said, look, I'm going I'm to forgive your sin, and I'm going to heal your mind, but your physical body is just going to fall apart and there's not much I can do with that. He did a package deal. Spirit, soul, and body. Isaiah 53 says this. And I'm going to, I'm going to interject a word. It says, Surely he has borne our griefs. The Hebrew is sicknesses. Who bore them? It's there, it's there. I put it in, in red. <laughs> That's the Old Testament, but I put it in red. Surely he bore our griefs or our sicknesses, and he carried our sorrows, Hebrew pains. You know, when you, 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 you get to a certain age and you get up, it's much easier to get up making a noise. <laughs> At th under 30s, you don't make this noise, but over 30s, 40s, you go, oh. You don't need to, but it feels good. 
It's like, it's like that feels good. Oh, does anybody identify with that? <laughs> the rest of you, you're far too young and far too healthy. He, he carried our sorrows. The word is pains. The reason why we grunt is because we feel a bit of pain, all right? Yet we esteemed him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. He was wounded or pierced through for our transgressions. He was bruised or crushed in the Hebrew for our iniquities. That is our sin, our mistakes, that old factory setting. The chastisement for our peace, that is our mind, was upon him. And by his stripes, the blows that cut in, in the Hebrew, we are healed. It's just, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity or the sin for us all. If you've ever thought, well, Jesus didn't do that for me, I want to let you know today, he has forgiven every sin, past, present, and future. He healed you at the cross, past, present, and future. He's dealt with the thoughts and the intents of our mind, past, present, and future. Because the work of the cross was a finished work. Jesus cried out, It is finished. Paid for. Paid in full. Which means we can't add any more to it. We just receive all that he's done for us. Let me just say this. Has everyone I prayed for been instantly healed? No. I still, I'm still currently walking with a limp. But I know that he is my healer. I know when I prayed, he heard. And I know that he is restoring that which has been lost. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If Jesus was present in this room and he came walking towards me, would I experience my healing? Yes. Would you? Yes. There is no difference. He is in the room. We're going to start singing that song soon. He is in the room. The power of the Lord was present because he was in the room. Right now, what do you need from God? Because he is still present. Where two or three gather in my name, there am I in the midst. Come on, let faith arise. Let faith arise in your heart. What do you need from him today? Because he is the one that can provide it and give it into our life. We need to draw near to him. He will draw near to us and he will minister into our life. But there will be times 
when we need to battle. There are times, you know, that the, the, the Bible says we take it by force. That we do, as I said last week, we just keep knocking until we know we've been heard. We know that he hears first time, but I tell you what, sometimes you think, I just need to keep knocking, Lord. I need to keep knocking because I need to know that you've heard me. But I want to share this scripture with you. No matter what age you are and where you are right now in your journey, Romans 8.11 is a powerful scripture that I absolutely love and speak over our life. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Come on. This is a mortal body, still flesh and blood, still, still living on the earth. Once I get to heaven, there are so many Christians that say, oh, when I get to heaven, I know I'm going to be healed. Here it says he's going to quicken our mortal body, not our glorified body. That gets changed in the twinkling of an eye. That, that gets changed when we get raptured to be with, with him in glory. But I, I want this body being renewed daily. I want this body to run and not grow weary, to walk and not faint. I want this body to be renewed so that I have the ability to walk and not grow faint. I don't know about you, but I want my eyes not to be dim and my natural force not to be abated. Why? Because the word of God says we can have it. And as we pray and believe, these are the things that are ours to walk in. How did Jesus heal? <clears throat> don't look that way. The clock's over there, all right? Just don't look that way. There's a number of ways in which Jesus healed. And I just want to I wanna, I wanna show you that God is not a one a one trick God. He's not one method God. He's not, this is the way it's going to happen in your life. We can draw on many different ways in which God ministers healing. Jesus healed in a number of different ways. On one occasion, people were healed as Jesus spoke. Jesus spoke the word. They heard it, received it, and they were healed. And the sick person stood up and walked and was, was healthy again. Other times, Jesus touched the person with the infirmity, and they were immediately made whole. When you think just one touch, just one touch, just one word from Jesus. You, this is his word. He he is his word. And when we open his word and we say, Father, as I read your word, heal me, deliver me, bring peace and, 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 and rest to my soul as I open your word. It is, this book is a miracle working book. It, it, all the time it's logos. It is just words on a page. But when it becomes rhema, the living word on the inside, it becomes a life-giving source to every one of us. Other times it's the sick merely touched the outer part of his garment and they were healed. Another time Jesus was making clay out of, out of mud and <laughs> spit. Grim. But he then slapped it in his eyes and said, go and see. You think, Jesus, that was disgusting. Why? Why did you do that? 
But I'll tell you what, Jesus' method worked. If I stamp on your toes because you've got an ingrowing toenail, maybe it'll work if it's God. If it's not, you'll punch me in the nose. (laughs) But when God says do it, do it. When God said to Jesus, let me just smear that in your eye. If we were in the crowd, we would have been going, that's disgusting. Who does he think he is? What's he playing at? There was others would be saying, oh, there's something miraculous about saliva when it goes in the eye. (laughs) It's weird, but people will excuse the miracle. I was chatting to someone in the week. I can't remember now who it was. Forgive me if it's you. There's my, there's my precursor for digging a hole. But they were saying that, 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 that the doctors had said that they had this issue and then they went back and they saw another specialist. Oh, I know who it was. <laughs> I won't tell you. I could do. I won't do. No, no. Anyway, they had an issue that they hadn't been able to breathe properly for a very long time. They'd gone to see different specialists. They'd said that they, their lung capacity, their lungs were the, the age of a, a 60-year-old and yet they're in their 30s. That they were only using 40% of the capacities, 60% of the capacity of their lungs. They, they have huge issues. This week they went back to see a different specialist and they said, you got, the, you got the lungs of a young man, what's up with you? So either the specialist got it wrong the first time round, or in between first specialist, second specialist, a miracle's taken place. How often do we excuse the miracles of God because we say, oh, the first, the first specialist got it wrong? No, I think the first specialist was a really good specialist. You should see his accreditation, the, 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 the letters after his name. He's a good man. He just didn't see God do the in-between. God is the God of the beginning and the end and everything in between. Amen? Uh, there were occasions healed without being present. He just sent his word. He said this to the centurion's servant. Go, or the centurion, go your way, your servants may be made whole. And as he went, he was made whole. Come on, let's not box God into a corner and say, well, God can only heal if there's a prayer line. God can only heal if the pastor lands, lays hands on me. You know, the amount of people over the years, I'm over here and I'm doing a prayer queue and there's, a, there's other leaders here and you see someone walk around the back so they can come around to where the pastor's praying. You think, no. I can't heal any of you, but he can heal all of you. Let me decrease so that he can increase. The power of the Lord present in this room. Anyway, I could go on and on. Let me get to the most exciting part. I'm not finished yet. Jesus wasn't limited by a method. And then he says, now you go and do likewise. Can you imagine what the, the first disciples, he sent them out and said, now, now go into the highways and the byways, share the good news of the gospel and heal and deliver. But don't take any money with you. And when you get there, if no one accepts you, just wipe your feet and move on. 
They had no idea what they were doing. But they did it anyway. Because that's where faith works. When we think we've got it all together, we know how to piece every prayer together. So it just, oh, that, that's a good prayer. Got to be pleased with that one. Do you know what? Be healed. It's just as powerful as, I've got to get this word perfect. I've got to have a prophecy in there. I've got to have a word of knowledge for them. No, no, no. Just be healed. Be healed. I, I tell you, that's how the first disciples were. They just they didn't they, they didn't have they didn't have the book of James to say lay hands on the sick anoint with oil pray the prayer for let's just get all, all the the elements just right they just went out and healed and the Bible says and they came back so excited I tell you what you walk down the high street and pray for someone and you see how excited they become and how excited you become with them and you're both just jumping around saying oh this is amazing. That's what true Christianity should look like. Every day an adventure. Every day an exciting thing. Where are you going to take me, Lord? I know I've got to go into that tea room. They're all heathens. But Lord, let me be a light in the dark place. Why not? Let your light so shine before men that your Father in heaven is glorified. Uh, anyway, anyway, anyway. Let's get back to the three areas. Three areas where God will use you and me. Every one of us, all right? I'm just going to go through these three scriptures and we'll be done. Ish. Mark 16, 17. Mark 16, verse 17 and 18 says these, and these signs will follow those who believe. And if you believe in Jesus Christ, don't be ashamed of it. Put your hand up. Awesome. And these signs will follow you. <laughs> just set you up tonight. <laughs> And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. That's the key. That's the prerequisite. That's all you need to know. That's why there were disciples who were going out and they were doing miracles and they were doing it in Jesus' name. And the disciples were saying, that they're not even followers of us. But Jesus said, but they're using my name. They're using the right method. And here it says, and these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up servant, serpents, and if they, if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. Just don't test the Lord in those things, all right? But if it so happened that you ate something out of date, you can believe. If you ate something at somebody's house and you think, I didn't like their cooking, I don't even know if it was cooked, you can pray over your guts and say, Lord, no food poisoning for me, thank you very much. Um, anyway, uh, forget that one. Um, <laughs> Anyway, um, and if you drink anything deadly, it by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. In my name, you will lay hands on the sick. That means you can lay hands on yourself and you will recover. That's just one method. Method number two. James 5, 14 to 16 says, If anyone among you, anyone, anyone... Whatever the sickness, whatever the disease, if anyone among you is sick, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. That's God's responsibility. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Praise the Lord. Confess your trespasses one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. 
the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Let him call for the elders. Let him call for the leaders of the church. They're going to anoint you. They're going to anoint you with oil. They're going to lay hands on you. They're going to pray the best prayer they can pray. But it's still down to God to raise you up. Amen? And then the last one is this. In 1 Corinthians 12, it says this in verse 9. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another the turning of spirits. To, an, uh, to another different kinds of tongues. To another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Do not say to me, oh, the Lord's baptized me in the Holy Spirit and I've, I, work, I operate in the words of knowledge, but that's all. That's like saying you've only received a ninth of who God is. We have received the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Yep. We, we don't receive an incy-wincy bit of Holy Spirit, which means I can now speak in tongues, or I can now give a prophecy, or I can now give a word of knowledge. No, no, no. We have the whole of the Holy Spirit to minister as the Holy Spirit says, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. There is no need. If, you've got, if I'm walking with the word of knowledge, the gift of the word of knowledge, and there's someone who's sick and they need healing, the Holy Spirit gives me the ability to heal in that moment as a gift. Because we have all nine gifts. We have, or do you only have one of the fruit? If you only have one of the fruit, then I guess you've only got one of the nine gifts. If you've got... But we've got all nine fruit, haven't we? No one doubts we have all nine fruit operating in us. We have all nine gifts operating in us. Why? Because it's the same Spirit who's at work in us. And He will give and... How does it say? But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. It's not down to me to turn around and say, oh, I'm, I have the gift of prophecy, or I have the gift of interpretation of tongues. No, no, no. I have the Holy Spirit, and as he wills, the spiritual gift needed for the moment is what's going to come to the surface. That's, otherwise, we're, we're so limited. Oh, let's find the person who, who, can, who can heal. Let's, let's find the person who can prophesy. No. The gift of the Spirit means where we have all gifts and all fruit because we are complete in him nothing missing nothing lost so the truth is what jesus was doing 2000 years ago in himself one person he now has given us the ability to do as the church praying for one another praying for those outside of the church praying for those in our community in our workplace so that the power of God is released. We must learn what spiritual authority we have as an individual. You need to know the spiritual authority that God's placed in you so that we have that authority over the works of darkness and we can declare to those around us, by his stripes, we are healed. Amen.
I'm just going to pray. I'm not going to pray for healing of the sick. We can pray, we, if anyone is sick amongst you, feel free to come and we'll pray for you at the end of the service. I will be over here um, and anybody else that would, has a lanyard will be over here as well. But it's the healing of the Spirit, salvation, acknowledging of God in our life. I want us to pray because what comes there is an acknowledgement that you need Jesus to be the Lord and the Savior of your life. That you are not the Savior of your life. You are not the one who can deal with the sin of your life. There is only one, that's Jesus. He died on a cross in your place to be able to give you a newness of life. That you would be born again. So we're going to pray a very simple prayer. And I'm going to ask you to pray this along with me this morning. Father, I come to you today. And I thank you for all that Jesus has done. He healed me. He saved me. And he set me free. Today, Jesus, I ask you that you would save me. That I would be born again. That I would receive your spirit and the newness of life. Holy Spirit, touch me and change me that I would know you and I would know the power of your resurrection. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. While every head is bowed and every eye closed. If you've prayed that prayer today, maybe for the very first time, maybe today it's a journey that you're coming back to him and saying, God, I'm placing you on the throne of my life. If you prayed that prayer, I'm just going to count to three. I'm going to ask you to pop up your hand and pop it back down. One, two, three. If you prayed that prayer this morning, thank you. I see that hand. Is there anybody else? You say, yes, that's me. Count me in. Come on, let's be, let's be bold about this. If that's you, just nice and high. Is there anybody else in this room? Thank you, I see your hand at the back. Lives being changed. Lives being impacted. Thank you, I see your hand. There's three hands in this room, just acknowledging God's presence over their lives. If you feel the knocking of your heart, if you feel the sweating of your hands, this could be God speaking to your life. Maybe you need just to rededicate your life and say, I've, I've done it all myself. I'm handing my life over to you. I'm going to count down from five. Five, four, three, two, one. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the hearts and the lives of those that have responded to you. You know their journey. You know what they need in their life right now. And I pray, Father, that you would just minister your grace. And Lord, that you would open their eyes to the wonder of salvation. And Father, I pray for everybody in this room that may be sick, in pain, or has been told by a doctor that they would be on medication for the rest of their life. Father, in the name of Jesus, we call on you. You are the healer, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And therefore, this morning, we draw on that same anointing, that same healing power, and we say, Father, by 
the stripes that cut into Jesus, we are made whole. And we draw on that anointing in this room right now. The healing touch of heaven. Your kingdom come. Your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Fantastic.